Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right. Good evening. Praise the Lord. Thank you, everybody that's joining us tonight. Um, I hope you're understanding that uh, under certain circumstances, uh, we just felt that uh, with possible challenges with some things that were happening in the roadways and in the traffic, uh, I was a little concerned about sending people home at the end of a Wednesday night service, 9, 9.30 at night, perhaps getting caught up in traffic and some of those things. And uh, it's also producing less traffic here in the church uh, as we're uh, attending to cleaning and so forth and still being uh, careful uh, regarding some of the precautions that we have uh, put into place. So uh, thank you for understanding that. I hope you're okay with tuning in again on our live stream broadcast. And um, again, I, I'm just here to teach this evening a little bit. Uh, I have something that's been on my heart. It is related to current events. Uh, I didn't want to be the guy that had to jump into the bandwagon and, and say, well, I've got something to say too. I'm not going to make a political commentary this evening. As a matter of fact, I have a different direction. I feel that God laid on my heart. Uh, as a matter of fact, a good friend of mine, Pastor Marshall Newble, who pastors uh, uh, down on Wisconsin Avenue, uh, was on last night, and he compelled many of us in the ministry to uh, attend his live stream uh, message last night. He said that he had something he felt God had put on his heart uh, related to uh, what he called racial reconciliation, and now he's actually going to turn it into a small series. And so I was very pleased and, and happy to support my friend and join him on that uh, broadcast last night. I don't know if he has it recorded, but if he does, I would search it out if I were you. Uh, that's Brother Marshall Newble. And uh, it was an excellent message, and it was wonderful, and it was from a great man of God with tremendous insight, and uh, uh, it was just wonderful to be with him. And I had already had some things on my heart and things on my mind, again, as in the position of leadership sometimes in these things, when they're so broad-sweeping and they're so incredibly impactful, uh, you feel like you, you need to make a statement or you need to be a part of that message. You, you just can't turn your back on it. And certainly what's happening in our world today as we're, as we're coming out of one incredibly massive crisis and, and flowing into the next massive crisis, uh, it's just not the position of the church to turn the blind eye to those things and not do uh, uh, what God has laid in our hearts to do to minister to our communities. <laughs> I was thinking earlier today in preparation and continuing prayer this morning as I was seeking uh, God for further confirmation in the message I have for you. I was thinking about 2020 thus far, and I've heard some jokes and I've had some people comment uh, about 2020. And, and uh, so I, I kind of jokingly thought, you know something, as, as the pastor, I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to declare uh, that June 30th is New Year's Eve. And uh, we're going to call this 2019 and a half. And 2020 is going to start on July 1st, and we're going to do a do-over, and we're going to put 2019 and a half behind us and actually begin 2020 later on. I don't know. I think some, I've heard some people say, well, this one's in the can. It's no good. 2020 is pretty well a, a bummer, and, and uh, it's shot, and let's hope 2021 is better. And uh, while I kind of laughed about that, and it is kind of funny to think about, it got me to thinking, and it actually kind of flowed into the message I want to share for you tonight. And so, if I were to title the message, I would put a title on it. I would call it Farmers, Not Fighters. Farmers, Not Fighters. 
right now, and again, I am not at all going to go into a commentary on the things. As a matter of fact, I'm going to purposely avoid bringing up specifics simply because I know all of you have been saturated with this stuff on, on all the news channels, on social media, the newspapers, uh, radio. Uh, it's just bombarding everybody. And it's, it is having some negative effects, and it is ha- it's impacting people, and it began to concern me a little bit. Maybe not necessarily uh, folks that are here in our congregation, per se, but people I'm connected with, uh, friends of mine in other areas. And, uh, and that began to concern me, because I believe what is the potential of what can happen if we're not careful, if we're not guarding our minds, if we're not putting on that whole armor of God every day, uh, covering our helmets, our heads in the helmet of salvation, uh, shielding our hearts, uh, putting that whole armor on every day, uh, we are susceptible to allowing the, the enemy of the world, the, the, the enemy, the God of the power of the air, uh, to begin to get into our minds. This can affect our mood. It can af- affect what we are and who we are and begin to draw us down. And I'll be honest with you, I even began feeling my own level of frustration with some of what I'm seeing. It's so unnecessary, a completely horrific and unnecessary death, a senseless death, and then more senseless activity going on. It was unnecessary. Why? Why is it happening and what is our role in that? Well, first of all, I just want to say that I believe that what is happening, and the reason I'm calling this farmers and not fighters, is because I think it's our opportunity. It's our opportunity to rise above the thought process. Now, I'm not saying rise above people and think that you're better than someone out there that's struggling or or dealing with this on a personal basis. That's not my word at all. What I'm saying is that mentally and in our spirits, we can rise above what the enemy is pumping into our minds and pumping into our hearts, making us feel a certain way, drawing us into this emotional impact. We can have compassion. We can have love for people. We can can certainly engage in that in the right way. But what I'm saying is, is that mentally and within our hearts, we can rise above Uh, the the fervor and rise above the waves and see what is really at play here and what we can potentially do or how we can be a part of it. And I'll explain that as I go further. So as of right now, my opinion is, is that the world, society, uh, uh, just secular society is creating a harvest. It's creating a harvest. They've sown nothing but emptiness and pain and fear and negativity in this world. We, 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 we've taken God out of everything. I know I'm speaking to the choir on this. When God was taken out of the schools, it had a major impact. When God was taken out of society, it's had an incredible impact. When God is being pushed out of the government. It's having an incredible impact. And so what that is reaping, what we're reaping right now in society is terribly sown seeds of pushing God and faith out of society. But there's, it, it, there's a, it, an interesting factor because we know that the wheat and the tares grow together. The world is also creating a harvest of opportunity for us. My feeling is that we've got to stay the course in what we're called to do. The wickedness of this world cannot and will not redefine what God has made us and what he has called us to be. Our warfare is spiritual and our harvest is spiritual. Our warfare is not carnal. It is not for us to become emotionally enraged or angered or frustrated or to to feel drawn into that situation. Believe me, trust me, I saw the video. I watched 
watched it. I, 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 in some ways, I wish I hadn't seen it. But like so many, as I watched uh, this, this terrible event happen and unfold on video before my eyes, my, my heart and my soul ached uh, for this person. And, and, and it wasn't about color. It wasn't about race. It wasn't about anything. But as I'm watching a soul expire from this world, I, I just can't explain the desperation I felt. I wanted to travel through that video and be able to rush into that situation and say, stop, stop, save this man. That's the desperation that we need to have for this world that we're looking at through the shields and the lenses and the, and the glass and the screens that we view every day as we see these things unfolding before us. We're not called to get into the fight the battle and the debate and, 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 and to be a part of that is just more division. That's not what our call is. Please, friends, anybody that's listening and watching tonight, don't be dragged into the mire and the anger and the negativity and the division. It's not our time to judge those people that are doing things. They have a judge already. Unfortunately, people that are committing crimes, the person that committed murder, the people that are doing things that are wrong, that are being swept up into emotional uh, uh, activity, the, the, the mob mentality that takes over perfectly good people that normally wouldn't even partake in activities like that, swept up into a mentality that, that can affect any of us. Uh, we have the susceptibility in our flesh uh, uh, to be drawn into places of rage, and anger and, and self-righteousness and justification and rationalizing. We're all susceptible to that. But we can't be dragged into this mire. We can't be dragged in uh, to this anger and frustration. What we've got to do is we've got to look through the eyes of compassion, look through the eyes of Christ and see souls that desperately need God. They need direction. They need a hope. See, the enemy wants us to be dragged in. The enemy wants us to get angry and frustrated and upset. The enemy wants us to feel hopeless. They want them to feel hopeless. They want everybody, he wants everyone to feel hopeless in this situation and, 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 and that, that just doesn't breed uh, anything good for anybody. So don't do it. Don't get involved. Hold that flesh back and begin to think like God. Pray about it. See through the eyes of compassion. I believe it's up to the church, and I said it on Sunday, the church is going to lead the way. We have to lead the way. If we're not leading the way, then we're going to be falling behind and we'll be overcome by the enemy. We've got to lead into the battlefield. We've got to be the David that looks at Saul, and, 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 and in this case, I believe Saul uh, is represented now uh, with, with some of our weak governments and some of, some of the, the, the people in power who cower behind the rock with the rest of the people and allow all of these things to happen. We've got to charge into the field like David. We, the church has to lead as we go forward, but we have to understand we're leading as farmers and not fighters. We're leading to get out there. God will fight as he fought for Jehoshaphat. He'll lead the way and we can reap the harvest that is ripe. I'll have you turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 9 starting at verse 35, and it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? It's a message of hope and healing. Now listen to what he says here. Every sickness and every disease 
among the people. Now, you and I both know, we'll stop at 36, you and I both know that sickness and disease pretty much sounds like the same thing in those words, but I want you to understand that there's a division there. There's two separate thoughts there because the people were afflicted by things both physically and spiritually, or you could say spiritually and mentally. And so those sicknesses and those diseases related to things that happen within our bodies, both in the mental or the spiritual facet and also in the physical realm. He was healing people who were afflicted of spirits, people who were afflicted of physical diseases. Verse 36 goes on to say, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, the eyes of compassion through Jesus, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as having as, as sheep having no shepherd. I want to tell you as I'm looking into these videos I'm seeing on social media and I'm seeing people charging down streets and doing those things that you know that you've seen, that if you've, you, it's made you angry, it's made you feel anger towards them, it's terrible. Why are they doing that? Uh, I want to tell you that Jesus was looking upon compassion upon this mob. They were all guilty of it. He could see their sin. He could see what and who they were. He knew that they were doing terrible things. He knew what they were in the flesh, but he looked on them with compassion. Because they fainted. What does that mean, they fainted? Were they all just falling over? No, because they were just failing in weakness and, 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 and just succumbing to these things and were so overcome with them. And they were scattered abroad. They were running to and fro. And I thought again about the videos we've seen. But it says, as sheep having no shepherd. And that's exactly what we're looking at. We're looking at hordes of people who just don't have hope, they don't have a shepherd, they don't have that person that they can lead to, that Jesus that they can, they can fall on and, and, and just love and call out to. They're lost, they're wandering, there's no shepherd to call them to the fold. As I said, society has taken God out of the picture and so many are scattered. Uh, they're in fear and they're in hopelessness without a shepherd. Verse 37 goes on to say that then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. He looked at this situation. He looked at this mass of humanity in failing, in sin, scattered, running, in failure. He looked at them and he saw compassion for them, but he quickly referred to them as a harvest. Are we looking through the eyes of compassion? Are we seeing people in these videos hurting, angry? Yes, they're doing things that are destructive. Yes, they're breaking the law. Yes, they're responding to things uh, out of frustration and hopelessness and a lost feeling. But are we looking at them as a harvest? Are we looking at them as a shepherd? Verse 38, it goes on to say, excuse me, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's our call in this situation. It was our call when COVID-19 began. It's our call when every major tragedy comes our way, when people are lost, when people are reaching out. It's our call always, and it's our call today. People are in desperate need of hope, and that hope is in the promise of the Father. Luke uh, chapter 24 and 49, we know that that promise of the Father that, that Jesus was speaking of, he was talking about the power that they would be endued with on high. He was talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. 
Pastor, how do we bring that to them? How do we carry that to them, that power? Well, you're a person that carries the Holy Ghost. You're a person full of that Holy Ghost. That Holy Ghost within you can be, can be allowed to subdue the flesh that's wrapped around it. You can give it that ability. You can give it that power, the Holy Ghost inside you, to reign in your body, to subdue the flesh tendencies that we have. You can pray about that. You can put on that whole armor of God. You can train that flesh to be subdued by the spirit that's within you so that when you carry yourself into this world and you engage with people, people that you work with, people that you shop with, people that you you meet on the street, I don't care where it is, that Holy Ghost can shine in you. You can share a smile and, 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 and hopefully soon a handshake and maybe a hug down the road, but you can share love with them and let that Holy Ghost shine. You can be of a conscious mind every day that you're gonna subdue that flesh. What do I mean by that? What do I mean is don't go into into automation mode. Don't go into program mode. Just going about your day. Just surviving the day. Disregarding what's around you. Look for opportunities to say, I want to see that person over there. I've got to go over that way uh, in the grocery store and I've got to shop there. There's somebody there. Maybe my Holy Ghost will shine to them. Every place I try to go, I've learned this from great men of God and women that have shared with me and trained me and raised me. Shine God out to people. I pulled through the, the drive through at Chick-fil-A the other day buying some stuff for my family and, and, and there's several people that engage with you through that process. If you ever done it, there's like 19 people in the drive through but every one of them, hey, have a great day. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Shine for them. Say something. How's your day going? The Amazon lady pulled up at the house the other day and I happened to be outside and I walked up and I greeted her and I said, hey, how's your day going today? And she looked surprised. She said, well, it's going pretty good. I said, well, are they treating you well? Are you doing okay? She said, yeah, yeah, it's, I really like this job. It's really great. I said, well, thanks for bringing our packages. I really appreciate it. Please stay safe. And, and just something simple like that. I look for the opportunity. God, inspire me to love people and let that Holy Ghost shine. Why? Because I want to give hope. I want to give hope to every person that I encounter. People are in desperate need of hope in this world. Desperate need. We can take hope and give it to them. We can bring hope to the hopeless. We can bring power to the powerless that power that was endued from on high, that Holy Ghost that you and I carry every day with us, that tremendous power of love that exists within us. We're not going to stop what the culture and society continues to pump into people. The ideals and the ideology is going to continue to be pumped through the system and pumped through the media. It's going to be pumped through the schools. There's just a narrative that says... This is what you are, and by, by virtue of your color, you think this way, and you act this way, and you, you already have a bias against me. You already have prejudice, and, and, and perhaps uh, there are things that were programmed into us because of this division. But throughout history, I look back at history, and I see uh, a man's inhumanity to man has existed since the beginning of time. Uh, uh, hatred, always, there's just some pariah in one society or another, uh, uh, I, I look at historically uh, uh, 
the Indians and the Pakistanis, there's always been a hatred there. Uh, uh, Japanese and the Chinese, the, the wars and the terrible atrocities there. I, I look at places in other parts of the world, the tribes of Western and Southern Africa, uh, tearing one another apart in civil war. I look at here in the United States, the wars that we've had, even our own civil wars, the hatred of the North and the South, uh, uh, just constantly man's inhumanity to man. You're not going to change that narrative on a whole, on the general societal basis. But I'll tell you what, one-on-one, person-to-person, that's how we're going to win. Embrace every person we encounter. Embrace the people that we know that are hurting. We can do it one person at a time, one at a time. We must understand that people without hope become desperate and people without power become dangerous. I don't want to empower them with political power or, or, uh, and I don't, I don't care if they get it or they don't get it. That's not my goal is what I'm trying to say. We shouldn't worry about that part. Uh, I want to empower them with the greatest power, the power of the Holy Ghost. I, I want to give them hope, not because the government might be, uh, might send money to them or create a new program or, or to people that are downtrodden or people that are suffering. I, I don't care about that. Money doesn't solve the problems. I want to give them a hope that's everlasting. Uh, and I'm talking about everybody. When I say them, I'm not pointing out any particular group. I'm talking about people that don't know Jesus Christ, people that don't know God but desperately need to. Matthew chapter 10 and 1 says, And when he called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. Now listen again. All manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He gave them the power to do that with his spirit and with his name. They were empowered to do the greater work. What's more important, that, that people are, are enriched with money or given things or, or that we solve problems through politics or that their souls are saved and their names are written in the book of life? Their sicknesses, their mental, and their, their emotional, their spiritual, and their physical illnesses are taken from them or, or healed. Physical and mental health issues like fear and anxiety and depression. See, I believe that we are all caretakers and purveyors of the promise to this lost and dying world. The, world sa- the Bible says that greater is he that's within me. That's he, capital H-E. Greater is he that is within me than he, little h-e, that is in the world. We have the greater power within us to overcome the enemy of the world. And understand, the enemy is the enemy of all of those that are lost and that are engaged in these things and that are feeling this pain and this sorrow and in desperation and are engaging in things that they should not. The book of John chapter 4 verse 31 starts out this way. It says, In the meanwhile his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have a meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. That's our call. That's what we're called to do. That's our meat. That's our sustenance. That's what we should be seeking for, striving after day by day. 35 says, Say not ye, 
there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already to the harvest. Remember I said earlier, I believe it's our call to raise up above all of this fervor. Look beyond what is on your television screen and what's on your computer screen and your phone screen. Lift up your eyes and look onto the fields, but look onto them not as trouble, not as a problem, not as something causing pain within you, not as something that's, that's, that's worrying you and, and, and creating a frustration in you, but look on them with compassion and see that the field is white to the harvest. This situation is creating a harvest for the church of the living God. You see, it's not up to the farmer to decide when the plant is ready to harvest. I've heard some people say, I share and I share and I share and people just don't listen. I've given my testimony, I've talked to people and I just can't seem to get anywhere. Well, you can't determine, it's not for you to determine that that particular harvest is ready to, 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 to glean. The job, our job is to continue to seek the harvest and find the harvest that is white and ready. And God is saying there is a white and ready harvest. What does that mean when he says that they are white and ready? He's talking about the tassels of the wheat as they break open. And and, and it, it is that sign in nature. Nature always gives us a sign when that particular fruit or that vegetable is ready to harvest. There's a color change. There's, there's some form of a physical sign that says that this particular crop is ready to harvest and that's what we need as sensitivity comes in the Holy Ghost you begin to look and seek God to know and understand this just a little bit better you can begin to sense this person is hungry this person needs God's word this person is seeking out they're reaching out you can begin to sense it in your soul you become the farmer that sees you become that that that, that husbandman of the crop that sees that this crop is ready to harvest and that frustration will go away as you begin to find that God will direct you and lead you to places where people will listen. They will listen to your word. They will understand and they'll be drawn to you through his spirit that's within you. It's not up to the farmer to decide when the harvest, as I said, is ready. God designed the plant to show when it's ready. Our job is to harvest that plant when it's ready. Going on to verse 36, it says, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto what? Unto life eternal. It's our job. And the reward that we have from it is life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. Now listen to verse 38. This is an incredible statement that Jesus is making here in John chapter 4. In verse 38, he says, I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into those labors. What a wonderful promise. Do you understand what he's saying? That other men have laid the groundwork. People have been exposed to the word. This is a Christian nation. It, 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 you run into people. It's incredible to me. Sometimes I hear people talk. They know what tongues is. They know what the Holy Ghost is. They've got some foundation in their lives. There's a Christian basis. Somebody's planted seeds in many of these people. You're being offered the opportunity where you've put no labor in to go into a field of harvest and begin to reap that harvest where you put no labor. What a promise. Of course, much of that is the work that God has built within us. 
and within those people, the work that he had done. You understand, I think I'm going to take a little side trip here. You must understand that God created every single human being. And therefore, God has created within us, whether you, whether you decide that you believe in God or not, you claim yourself agnostic or atheistic or whatever it is, you can deny that God exists all you want, but that will never change the fact that he created humankind. And therefore, within humankind, he created a natural desire, a, a, a seed of something within our hearts to seek a higher power, to seek something that is greater within us. If you look at every society that has ever existed on planet Earth, every bit of historical record and cave-dwelling drawings and, and artifacts that have been found, every society in the history of mankind has a reflection of a portion of that society that had a God or a deity in it. Every society from the beginning of time through the dark ages and on into the rest of history has had a part of that society that has sought after a God, something greater than them to worship, to find fulfillment. The labor has already been done. We just have to reap the harvest if you're willing to look above as he said, and look across the fields. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what target burned or what auto store is burned down. I don't care about any of that. It's unfortunate. It's wrong. We can't condone that behavior. But what I'm saying is separate yourself from that and look at the harvest, the people that desperately need God. Hebrews chapter 10 and 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. That's a statement of unity. Drawing together with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Of course, many of us have taken that step and we have followed that command in the word of God. Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. What does confession of our hope mean? I don't think it just means that I acknowledge that I have hope and I believe that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. I believe that confession of our hope means we got to tell it. we got to share it. we got to spread it. Confess your hope. Let people know. Well, you, you wacko guy, why are you so happy and hopeful? Well, let me tell you. Let me explain to you. I want to confess why I have hope. I want to confess what, what exists inside me. And what God has done for me. For he who promised is faithful. And now verse 24, listen to this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not violence and destruction. Love and good works. Stir up one another to love. Can we challenge some folks? Can we, can, can we get a hold of some people and listen and, and give an ear and embrace them, but stir them and challenge them to be a greater person, to, 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 to stir one another to love and good works? What can we do that's positive and powerful and united? And I'm thankful to say that in the course of all of this ugliness and, 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 and bad things, I also saw some terrific, wonderful videos 
people of all backgrounds gathering together with police officers, kneeling together in prayer, worshiping in prayer, evangelists from our organization, from the United Pentecostal Church International, going into these neighborhoods, downtown Minneapolis where this fella died, uh, going into other cities that have experienced these tragedies and, and, and are preaching and praising and singing songs of praise and praying with everyone, hundreds upon hundreds of people gathering around and worshiping God because you know what? that voice is going to be heard too. We're going to counter the enemy and the works that he's done and we're going to show up and we're going to express and share that powerful work of love and good works. I'm challenging you tonight. Instead of just relying on some symbolic gesture of solidarity, how about getting onto your Facebook pages and your Twitter accounts and Instagram pages and your Snapchat chats and cry out to those folks, please listen, there's a greater love and a greater hope, a greater way, there's a God of peace and understanding, a family waiting to receive you and love you, a church that's willing to receive people that are willing to listen. Let me tell you about what God has done for me. What about if we put that in our social media? What if we unified together as a people and said that we're going to storm the gates of this situation with a powerful message of hope and love and we put out a call to action? Call me, message me, email, send me, let me testify to you what God has done in my life. This evening, just before I... I finished my time of prayer and preparation for my notes. I followed my own word. I got onto my Facebook page. I felt God calling me to this, and I put that call out. You can read it. You can go to my Facebook page. And I just simply did that. I simply said, I've got a message of hope. I've been there. I've been in certain places that some people have. Maybe not the same way. I can't relate to people of other cultural backgrounds. Obviously, that's impossible. But I know what my story is. I know what my testimony is. And I know what God's done for me. And I want to share it with you. Post it. Share it. Trade it. Send it around. Call me. Message me. So I have the opportunity to do something good in this world. Instead of just sitting back and watching on my screen. Verse 25 of that same verse in Hebrews 22 finishes off like this. It says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Of course, that day is talking about the return of our Savior. Now, that's the ESV version of that. And of course, you know that scripture, not neglecting to gather together, is often used as the statement to say that we're supposed to go to church. Well, it is. We, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There are powerful reasons for that. It's another message for another time. But I do believe also that this lends to times where gathering together and meeting together with friends, opening our homes, embracing one another in fellowship in other ways. Doing what, as verse 25 says, encouraging one another another and all the more as we see the day draw near there's something important and empower uh, empowering about that statement god wouldn't have tied the two points together in the word the day drawing near and the gathering together and encouraging if it wasn't critically important for our souls to help us to stay steadfast rooted and grounded in our faith and doing what god has called us to do in closing tonight, I just want to share with you uh, how Paul instructed the Romans in this area. In Romans chapter 15, starting at verse 1 and going through verse 5, it says this. It says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
I fear sometimes that the society, the way it is, uh, uh, I have observed it for many years, this country that we have, we, 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 we live in great bounty. We have so much. And the more that you have and the more liberty that you have and the more possession that you have, the more focused on those things you can be if we allow our flesh to take over. If we allow ourselves to be lulled into that, we tend to want to please ourselves. We've got to be careful of that. Verse 2 says, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. Think of them first. Think of someone else first. Be a giver. Be a doer. Reach out with that word. As I said early, share that love of Christ that's within you. Verse 3, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me, he said. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, now listen, through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. That is our job. That is our focus That is the hope that we have. And lastly, as I'm closing tonight, Genesis chapter 8 and 22, a very short verse simply says this. Genesis 8 and 22 says, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. In other words, as long as the earth is still here, There will be good and evil. There'll be darkness and light. Bad and good. Hot and cold. Up and down. Seed time and harvest. It never stops as long as the earth is still here. We have a job to do and we never retire. Jesus, I'm very thankful, God, for your word and for your comfort and the promise of hope that you've given us. Lord, I pray right now that We continue to grow in you, Lord God, and we continue to seek the mission that you've given us to be a beacon in this world, to be a light to those that desperately need you. That we would open our hearts and open our arms and open our minds, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.